This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. Hey, what's up, loyalists? So if you guys were listening last week, you heard part one of our interview, a very funny interview, with comic and actor, producer, a former Simpsons writer, and a fellow Planet of the Apes fanatic, Dana Gould. Uh, we had a wonderful time, and we frankly couldn't make just one episode out of it because it would have required major edits and cutting, and we felt the content was too strong, and we wanted to share all of it with you guys. So without further ado, here is... A Part two, installment two, or beneath the GGACP with Dana Gould, if you like. So uh, enjoy. <laughs> and, and I think Don Adams was one of those people that got into that 70s look of the sideburns. Yeah. And oh, the whole uh, so did, 70s. So, so did Peter Lawford. Yes. Yeah. Oh, with yeah. The, the, the Nehru and the turtlenecks. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Salt and Pepper. I mean, the movie Salt oh, and Pepper yeah. with Peter and Sammy oh. is so flawless. And and a movie we talk about a lot on this show, and that's Good Do. Yeah. Oh yes, Jesus. Drew, Drew's favorite. So, of course, of course. But <laughs> yeah. it's really that, and that's also like the beauty. It, it's to me, it's the. Uh, it, it's why I'm glad Mad Men ended when it did. I didn't want to see Don and a big, you know, Richard Nixon, bad polyester jacket. Um, but also it's uh, it's the difference between the Twilight Zone and the Night Gallery. Like the Twilight Zone has that sort of eternal look because it's the late 50s, early 60s. The classic suits, classic haircuts. Everybody is... It's it's still, with the exception of, like, people having wet, shiny hair, they could walk off that movie, walk down the street, pretty much be, un, be unbothered. Uh. But the night gallery was 69 to 73, and it's, and it's all, like, it's, like, Burt Convy playing the devil in, like, a velour <laughs> jumpsuit. <laughs> it's like everything is wrong. Leonard Nimoy plays a haunted tree. But he said the giant mutton chops and the, and the Seinfeld puffy shirt, unironically. My podcast partner does not dig the Night Gallery. Yeah, well, they're very, it's, it's as we said, the Night yeah. Gallery is, yeah. the Night Gallery is better in theory than in practice. Well, the Vincent Price one is good. There's a handful there's a of couple, good There's ones. a handful of good ones. Yeah. And, and Ron Serling in the terrible, like, the Tony Roberts fro. He's got, he's got the Tony Roberts fro <laughs> from playing against Sam, strangling it the, down with a brush. The perm. I, 
I thought everything that was wrong with 70s television was in the night gallery. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I can't yeah. argue your point. It's a, it's, a, it's a good point. Leonard Nimoy staring down a tiger that's clearly yeah. <laughs> not in the same shot. <laughs> it's, it's and, and you could see when they were, they would do blackouts like and, laughing. And Serling hated it. See, Serling... Serling controlled the Tonight Show. It was his, uh, I mean, the Tonight Show, the Twilight Zone. It would be great if he controlled the Tonight Show. That'd be great. <laughs> I'd watch that. But uh, uh, Serling was in charge of the Twilight Zone. He was just the host of the Night Gallery. He didn't want the headaches. And uh, the guy that he originally agreed to let run it, a guy named Melvin Laird, uh, yeah, turned it into that. And it's like, and Serling still wanted to do quality television. They're like, now nah, we got a better idea. Adam West is going to play Dracula. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> and, love it. and when they do those blackouts, there must have been at least 10 of them where an actor would be dressed as Dracula <laughs> and he'd be at the blood bank and he'd go, I'd like to make a withdrawal. And then all it needed was da 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 They should have they, they gotten jo- Stuart Margolin and just done the, the Love American style blackouts. It was, all the jokes were from, and I'm going to bet you had this book, Barnabas Collins in a Funny Vein. <laughs> It was the Dark Shadows joke book. Wow. I'm looking right at it. (laughs) Wow. He's got it in his living room. Look at this. He's got he's gotten out of the chair. He's he's retrieving the joke book. It really exists. I have an old I have an old uh, paperback book. Uh, I have an old paperback book display. Oh, there's Jonathan Frid. Look at that. Dark Shadows Cookbook. Barnabas Collins in a funny vein. Oh, and God. The Dark Shadows Cookbook. My girlfriend found the Dark Shadows Cookbook. She gave me that for Christmas. How's that for a fine? Lo- that's a lovely gift. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A, yeah, how's that for a fine? That's when you know you're with the right person. <laughs> <laughs> Gil, what was, what was that magazine you're always talking about on the show that used to do those corny horror jokes? Well, there was Famous Monsters of Film. Life. Yeah, Famous Monsters. Forrest Ackerman was always the was, was, the, it, was the punniest was the was punniest man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, horror, Horrorwood, California. And, and I heard or maybe even saw Forrest Ackerman wrote uh, a sex letter. Yes, yes. To, yeah, some girl yes. like a quarter of his age. Yes, this is a true story. And saying things like, and using those horrible puns. Yes, he was a dirty bird. He was a very dirty bird. Like, let's keep <laughs> abreast of yes. the situation. Do you remember uh, Heidi? Do you remember Heidi Saha? Oh, my God. God, that was deranged. An underage girl. That was fucking deranged. We have to talk about Heidi Saha, if you know. I'll let you take the lead on it. It was a pedophile dream, that that girl. It was Forey Ackerman and Isaac Asimov discovered this 13, 14-year-old, 12 maybe, year old girl at a convention. And she was a she was the precursor of a a cosplayer she would go to all these famous monsters conventions and she was a little girl they had her in sexy outfits all the time. they did a one-shot magazine for her oh this is new on me her. i didn't i never look heard it of up this. look it up i mean the magazine wow. is worth so much money on like ebay because i my name well it's not 
it's creepy, but it's not like there's nothing shown, but it's awful. But H, uh, Heidi, S-A-H-A. And, but literally they would even write, they would put her picture in famous monsters and then put like, what a lucky chair to be sat upon by oh, Heidi. Sommer. Yeah. Like, it was just these awful. Wow. They, was, they should have all been, I mean, nowadays the, the magazine would have closed and they'd all be in jail. Oh yeah. It's, it, it is one of those things where you look back and you go, yeah, how did, how did that, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, like perfectly acceptable pedophilia was going on in that magazine. That's, that's such a seldom used term. <laughs> he's, he's exactly right. Family friendly pedophilia. Do you know, do you know, uh, Dan, Dan Klaus? The uh, who wrote oh, the, car- the, the the cartoon? The yeah, cartoonist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the one we were talking about. Forrest Ackerman and I had completely forgotten about Heidi Saha. He was the one that reminded me of Heidi Saha, and we both were like, we just started screaming like, ah, how did that happen? <laughs> and then another one of those time and space wasters in famous monsters. Uh, was I don't know if the girl's name was also Heidi or something, but she was the girl who haunted Bela Lugosi, and she was the girl with the yellow eyes, which you know Bela Lugosi never fucking talked about. They invented it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, to yeah. fill up uh, the article, they'd have pictures of him from one of his movies and go. Could he be thinking of the girl with the yellow eyes in this scene? Do you know why that was in the magazine? Yeah. Because you asked for it. Oh, my God. There you go. That was so, that was like uh, when uh, Dear Abby uh, would say, by popular demand, we're reprinting this letter. Do you have the, do you have the parodies of Famous Monsters? Uh, there were two. Oh, I'll send them to you. There was monsters to laugh. With, no, no, no. There's a guy. God, I'm, I'm blanking on his name and I'm blanking on the name of the magazine, but I have them and I'll send them to Frank to show you. Oh, Please do. Okay. I, that's what I was referencing, Gilbert. I thought you were right. talking about monsters to laugh with when you were no, talking this, about those bad, those bad puns. This was called. There was a guy that did two like 10 years ago, like two pristine, perfect parodies of famous monsters and 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 it's just stuff like uh just like a picture of a weird guy in a fright wig with a perfect font uh norman lerner will not die like the way they I, I don't rem- I, I remember the monster times i'm gonna no this is a parody magazine i'm gonna send it to uh, you a spoof that you asked for it was oh, such a fucking waste bullshit waste of time. <laughs> it was the way you'd burn off your Bernard Jukes images. Yeah, they would say like uh, uh, Jim uh, Johnson from Indiana says, "Can you print a picture of Boris Karloff as Frankenstein?" And they they'd have it there. And I think, is there really a Jim Johnson? And yeah. is he asking for this? <laughs> Are you saying they fake the letters like Penthouse Four? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. I never thought I'd be writing this letter. <laughs> yeah, Darlene Feinberg of St. Paul, Minnesota, wants to see Chuck Connors fighting a Triceratops. Well, here you are. <laughs> 
I think it's in one million, the original one million BC. <laughs> a triceratops is attacking a caveman because they live in the same time period. Of and and triceratops were were well. The Earth is only five thousand years old. Some some people believe that triceratops were vicious uh, meat eating animals. <laughs> and and look, nobody knows how what dinosaurs sounded like. But in in one million BC, he's barking like a dog. <laughs> the Triceratops is attacking. Oh, that's the greatest thing! Hilarious, hilarious. Oh, by the by the way, do you know who's a fan of the Doctor Goldfoot uh, movies? Is Stephen Van Zandt? Of course he is. Yes, we talked to him about that. Yes, he has a Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine poster in his office. Of course he is. Oh, and have you met I met Price twice. I met him I met him once, but I didn't so you met him in normal show business, I'm assuming. Yes. I met him as a college freshman in Massachusetts. Wow. Uh, I was a I was a theater major for about 2 weeks uh, at the University of Massachusetts before I switched majors. But he came and spoke to our class and it was a small class and I went up to met him later. Um, he seemed pretty cool. I, I remember I was on, I was a regular on thick of the night. Sure you were. I remember that. And I was, I was doing some bit where I was doing voices and afterwards I sit down on the panel and I feel a big hand on my <laughs> shoulder and I turn around. It's Vincent Price. And he says, I loved your Peter Laurie. <laughs> How about that? How about and that? And then years later, I was at a horror convention, and I went over, I saw Vincent Price there, and I said, you probably don't remember this, but we met on Thick of the Night. And he says, oh, yes, that was a terrible show. <laughs> <laughs> We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. <laughs> here's a here's a not dissimilar. Here's a great parallel story if we if we have time. Yeah, we got time. Okay, so when I worked at the Simpsons, um, it was shot on the Fox. We worked our offices were on the Fox lot, and for lunch, I would just get off the lot go someplace to, to get away for an hour. And there was a Toys R Us on Pico and La Cienega. And sometimes I just go down to the Toys R Us and look at what toys were, you know, being who I am. I had just performed at the Saturn Awards, which is the sci-fi fantasy awards. And I did my Vincent Price bit, which was my impression of Vincent Price. And it was just pointing out that he has his two voices He's got the smooth voice. I understand that your car broke down outside. I insist that you spend the night here in the house. And then the high-pitched nerve. But don't talk to any of the paintings. <laughs> okay, so I'm in Toys R Us, and I hear, "Oh, you're the, you're Dana. You did Vincent Price at the Saturn Awards." And I turn around, and it's Mark Hamill. Wow. Oh. And I'm stunned. It's it's like because it, it's like it's like seeing a deer in your yard. It's like you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to be in Toys R Us. 
And and he goes, oh, that was really funny. And he was he's the nice. I don't know if you ever had him on. He, he's no, the, we love we'd love to. He's have him. so great. He's so normal and approachable and funny. And he does amazing impressions. Does the best Harrison Ford impression you've ever heard. Yeah, heard it. Oh yeah. yes, yeah, great. It's amazing. Great and so and so we just started talking and. Uh, and he said, you know, uh, he goes, I love your Vincent Price. I know, I know Vincent. I, the Tingler is my, one of my favorite movies. And when, when I met Vincent Price, I said, you know, I love the Tingler. And Vincent Price said, isn't that a marvelous piece of rubbish? <laughs> and, and, then, and then Mark Hamill goes like, you know, when I've done some movies that I'm not crazy proud of, like Corvette Summer, you know, could have been a little better. And when people say they love it, I always go, wasn't that a marvelous piece of rubbish? Because I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it's a pretty good Mark Hamill impression. Dana. I'm trying to remember, him, but, but it was very, he's, again, he's one of those people you meet and you're like, uh, it's I, I really can't really name anybody that was disappointing, but you do meet these people and they, like, you know, Mark Hamill, uh, uh, Adam, West, Charlton Heston, <clears throat> Adam West yeah. that are, that are so great when you meet them. And I think it's Adam was a gem. Adam was made. We had him on, we had him on the Simpsons. And it was it was a flashback to where Krusty the Clown uh, was where he Batman was guest starring on Krusty the Clown. Krusty the Clown was playing a villain on Batman, and we had done the episode and we was doing his voice. And we say to Adam, and I didn't need to be in the record, but it was Adam West, so I went right. to the record. You know? <laughs> right, like, of course, we're gonna meet Adam West, and we say to him, "All right, we get everything. It's great. You did beautiful. Thank you so much. We just need some Krusty has tied you up." And we just need you struggling, like some grunts, like you're struggling in vain. Just give us some wild line grunting. And uh, and he goes, okay. And then he said, we didn't give him this line. He did it. He went, struggling in vain. <laughs> <laughs> and we just clapped. Like, and That's I think so it's because he, yeah, it's because also like he knew he was Adam West. Yeah. But I also think like, he knew what he meant like he knew who he was and like he i think he knew that if he was shitty to somebody it would be devastating to them and he was a great enough person that he cared yeah yeah he was he was one of those guys that debunks the don't meet your heroes great really well put really yeah. well put delightful really guy. well put and you know another we talked about earlier carlin was the same way like carlin i'd been with him in, in several situations where we're talking and somebody just interrupts like I saw you in Minneapolis in 1973 and he was always great. And he would say like, this moment is not about me. This moment's about that. Well, he had that Danny Kay thing haunting him from when he was a child. I know that story. And yeah. you're right. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah. We're by the stage door. Yeah. Bless him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, everybody we've had on this show there. Well, there are two names that always pop up as, People couldn't stand them. Uh, one was Danny Kay, and the other was Joey Bishop. Oh, I bet, yeah. Well, I was just watching an old, it's The Tonight Show's 10th anniversary with Carson. And it's it's Jack Benny, Joey Bishop, Jerry Lewis, everybody. It's on YouTube. And you can just tell, Joey, Lu Joey Bishop is a dick. <laughs> so we're here, and he's giving Jack Benny shit for blowing cigarette smoke in his face, and it's just like 
shut up. <laughs> That's like, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> like, and, and somebody said they were doing one episode of the Joey Bishop show, and he was playing a dual role in this episode as him and his brother. And Joey Bishop yelled at the director, how come my brother is getting the funny lines? That's it, yeah. Bill, Bursky and Denoff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's oh, good. That's, that's good just, stuff. That's just maddening. Shatner, Shatner is, gives people a hard time, too. He, there's, there's very few stories like, I met William Shatner. He was lovely. <laughs> was not, I, I hate to say it, but he was nice to Gilbert. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. So now I can say, well, he was always nice to me. He was always nice. To, I have that with, I have that with people. I have that. Yeah. Well, he's nice to me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Here we go. Ward Whipple, please, please. Ward let's have... Whipple is not a real person. Oh, he might be. <laughs> that, that, that's from uh, what Dudley do right. It's yeah. from, it's a Frank yeah. Nelson character. Yeah. Ward uh, Whipple from Green Acres calls and says. He says, I need to have another price comparison. Dueling Vincent Price's. Uh, oh, Dana, when when Dana's in town, you guys feel like doing this one real quick. Gilbert Dara did the printout for you. Sure. We call this price comparison. Price comparison. <laughs> Sir. And I've got to tell you the name. It's like an old British show where Vincent Price and Ryder McDowell end up in a fist fight on a boat. All right, we're going to find it. And, and I know from our listeners... At least one person is going to send that. We'll tweet it. For sure. Our listeners are obsessed. And my friend, uh, my friend Ken Daly, who sent it to me, uh, who's, uh, if you uh, said that the fight should have cat noises underneath it. Two great Batman villains, by the way, speaking of Adam West. Yes. And there was, there was a short-lived TV show. I don't know if they were in an antique store owners or what it was, but I think it was Vincent Price and Peter Laurie. Wow. Some old team. All right, show. we'll have somebody look that up. Let's try this Vincent Price bit, Gil. You start us off. This is from The Fly. You've committed murder just as much as Celine did. You killed a fly with a human head. She killed a human with a fly head. No, Helene and Andre believed in the sacredness of life. They wouldn't harm anything, not even a fly. This is from Return of the Fly now, Dana. Here passes from this earth Helene Delambre, widow of my brother Andre, whom I love deeply and hopelessly. She was destroyed in the end by dreadful memories, a recollection of horrors that didn't dim as the years went on, but instead grew monstrously and left her mind shocked and unsteady so that death, when it came, was a blessed release. Somewhere in the human mind lies the key to our existence. Our ancestors tried to find it. <laughs> to open the door that separates us from our creator. If you believe, dear friend Seska, you are gullible. <laughs> Can you look around this world and believe in the goodness of a God who rules it? Famine, war, disease, and death. 
They rule the world. This is from House. That was Mask of the Red Death, and this is from House of Wax. Mask of the Red Death, torn from today's headlines. There you go. People say they can see my Marie Antoinette breed, that her breasts rises and falls. Look at her eyes. They follow you wherever you go. She's very real to me, but they're made of glass. More is the pity the exact size and color of the original. They're inserted into the sockets from inside by way of the hollow neck before the head is attached to the body. Forgive me, my dear, for discussing your intimate secrets. I'm sorry. <laughs> I lose myself at times. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, do not panic, but scream. Scream for your lives. The tingler is loose in the theater. We will now resume the showing of the movie. <laughs> and finally, from the abominable Dr. Fibes. Perhaps your hands will shake and he too will die under your knife. A few remaining minutes are all you have because of the acid reaches him. He will have a face like mine. Don't cry upon God, Dr. Vesalius. He's on my side. <laughs> He led me, showed me the way in my quest for vengeance. <laughs> was... and, this, and, it's very hard to say quest for vengeance. It's very hard to underplay that role. Like, ah, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> you can't, you can't, Michael Corleone. I'm on a quest for vengeance. It's just, it doesn't play. And what happened to an? Al Pacino could underplay parts. Well, he that was the thing. He, Al Pacino, Nicolas Cage, Vincent Price, they all become Vincent Price. They, uh, they talk very quietly, and then they yell! <laughs> it's the same. They just they have two speeds. They have two speeds. They get really quiet, and then they scream. What's the story of you using Lawrence Talbot as a as a pseudonym on The Simpsons? Any it, just just you goofing with yourself? No, or, or no, no. To it's see a how many people would pick up on it? Nope. It's a very weird story. I have I have three daughters, and they're all adopted from China, and we had adopted our first daughter, and we were just preparing to go to China to adopt our second daughter. And the episode that I had written was called Goo Goo Guy Pan, and it was basically the story of the first time I went to China to adopt a baby and there were some jokes about China in there because you know, it was the Simpsons and we were afraid that they would see it oh, because wow. we you know because they're 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 everywhere we were in China in a in a in a room and a in a meeting about just the paperwork for the baby and we looked and on the computer were our income taxes you know it's like that we had never sent like, so i didn't want to piss off anybody from china so i put a fake name on the china adoption simpsons episode so when i get there they didn't give me like a lobster there's your baby take it's a lot. No, no, it's a baby tank. Um, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to offend anybody. So I said, "Well, what's a pseudonym?" Well, Lawrence Talbot is nice the, the most famous alter ego in movies. Uh, and then after it ran a couple times, they put my name back on it once I was safe with uh, safe with that. And that baby, I'm proud to say, is now 16 years old, and I think she's still here in the house. You gotta <laughs> respect a man that puts Lawrence Talbot on his script, Gilbert. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Do you want in the in the time that we have left, Dana? I love is... I love now that's when Vincent Vincent Price did the first version of I Am Legend, written by Richard Matheson, called The Last Man on Earth. 
And Richard Matheson was not happy with how it came out. And so he changed his name. The, the, if you have the poster, the screenplay is written by Logan Swanson. Which is, <laughs> I like it. There was, uh, I just remember a part in The Wolfman where that Cheney says, you know, I don't understand. And if it's something I work on with my hands, I could understand it. And he says, oh, he asked, do you believe in uh, a man can turn into a werewolf? And Claude Rains goes, well, there are certain old beliefs and superstitions and old wives' tales, but a man actually turning into a wolf? No, it's madness. (laughs) (laughs) And it's also... Two things. One, the first time he meets Gwen Conliffe in that movie, it's so creepy because he fully admits, I was looking at you through my telescope. I saw your bedroom. Yes, (laughs) yes. They would not allow that in a movie now. And also it's like, how is he? How is he Claude Rains' son? Yeah. He's six, five. He's as American as the rooster on the cornflakes box. Like, (laughs) pop. Nice to see. You. And his father's this five foot three inch. Pre- Hello, laddie. Well, that's, that's when we had Donnie Donegan on the show. Yes. Nope. No yeah, more absurd exactly. than Donnie Donegan playing Basil Rathbone's. He son. had yeah. like a curly blonde hair and he sounded like Gomer Pyle. Yes, he did sound like yeah, Gomer and Pyle. And he was Basil Rathbone's son. <laughs> He's from Texas. Dad, dad. A monster's right. in the house. <laughs> it's so true. It's, <laughs> Shazam. Yeah, it's fun. Well, you know, the, the, it's like, like we were watching not too long ago, uh, Touch of Evil. It's like, who should play the Mexican detective? Charlton Heston, obviously. obviously. Who else would play a Mexican obviously. detective? Oh, oh, there was a, a Mr. Moto film. So already you got Peter Laurie as, as yeah. Asian. But he's questioning a Mexican storekeeper, and the Mexican storekeeper is John Carradine. Because <laughs> great. Who who looks and sounds more Mexican it's great. than John Carradine? In in the time left, Dana, do you want to talk? Do you want to talk about Bob Hope? Uh, sure. <laughs> do you have a short? Do you have a shortened version of that story? I hate to shorten it because it's so. No, wonderful. that's I. Well, I can plug. I can. I can plug something. I'll fit yeah. a plug in. Please um, do. So, uh, Bobcat Goldthwait and I, uh, who says hello, Gilbert. I was actually just talking to him before I. Uh, oh, tell him I said hi. Um, we did a uh, we did a tour uh, in uh, in. February of 2020 and the future looked great and (laughs) we filmed the shows and we were going to make it a concert piece and then COVID happened and we ended up making it a documentary about our 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 friendship and and uh it's and our sort of whatever and I talk about when I worked with Bob Hope and we found the footage of this which uh I had which is I was on the second to last Bob Hope special and I had to do a commercial with Bob. And the whole point of the commercial was I, uh, I have my arm around him. And he's just, as I said, it felt like a sweater full of light bulbs. Oh, I love just that line. My arm, yeah, a, <laughs> yeah. a, tube, a tube sock full of dying goldfish. And I just had my arm around. 
And I'm supposed to say, uh, hi, I'm Dana Gould. Join me and my new best friend on his comedy special this Thursday on NBC. And Bob turns to me and goes, hey, I love this kid. Didn't she used to be my caddy? And I do like a take. (laughs) (laughs) And the first first take. Oh, Lord. And the first take, I do my line and he goes, and he's not, and and Gilbert, I'm sure you've had situations like this. I'm literally standing next to him. I have my arm around him and he is not acknowledging me. (laughs) (laughs) To, 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 To him, I'm just like a crow. I'm like, <laughs> no interest in me at all. I don't blame you. It was 90, 90, 10 at that point. And, and a, a, a skit uh, we spoke about many times. Oh, I sent it to Dana. I sent uh, it to old Jack Robin Frost. Frost. Yeah. 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 yeah, Jack Frost. Jack, Jack Frost. Frost. Yeah, it's wonderful. Un- unreal. How did they? Well, I, well, so in this one, the first take he took some me and he goes, Hey, I like this kid. Didn't you to be my character? And then he, did, he just didn't say caddy. His brain went, I'm not saying caddy today. I'm saying, I'm saying kaku. I like this kid. Didn't you to be my kaku? So they go, all right, let's, let's do it again. And he goes, what? Goes, We're going to go again, Bob. Why? And, then, and the guy goes, peanuts. Huh? Because he had been eating peanuts before. Because you get some peanuts on your chin, Bob. So they send over, which he didn't. But they needed to do another take. Uh, so they send over a guy that has to wipe non-existent peanuts <laughs> off his chin. Jeez. Oh, and then the makeup has to touch it up. And then we did the second take. I don't know how I have this footage. But I do. Oh, bless, bless you. And it's, it's in the dock. And, just, and the whole time, and then and then he says his line, he's like, yeah, ladies, didn't you to be my caddy? And I do a take, a cut, and he goes, he always plays that hurt take. It's like, yeah, I'm just, he says, what, you going to shit on me? Like the one thing, <laughs> the one thing you say to me is, hey, fuck this guy. And Bob Hope never tried to hide the fact that he was reading the cue cards. Oh, God. No, by this time, he had an earpiece and his daughter was reading his lines into yeah. his ear. So that, yeah, Linda. I, I think, think that that you... You <laughs> you know, that footage is great because uh, the, the web has mostly been scrubbed of that stuff. I can't find, aside from Bob uh, Jack Frost, which is gold, it's very hard to find the latter-day specials. Yeah. When he was cadaverous. Yeah. As, again, as my friend Ken Daly says, when he had sad monkey eyes. <laughs> Two socks of dying goldfish. And what's weird is way back by the later Hope Crosby movies, he was already developing that kind of Bob yeah. Hope. Slices, kind of, kind of. Well, it's so funny. It's like in Road Trip when they do the, the Steve Coogan movie where he does the different versions of Michael Caine. It's, oh, it's yeah. the same with Bob Hope. Hey, young Bob Hope. And this kind of, hey, Reagan. Once Reagan became president, you get kind of lazy. Once you're friends with the president. How did you guys end up? Did you just, did you say goodbye? Did you just walk away when you were oh, No, I just work? walked away. You can see it. It's in the foot. I just kind of get up and look around and walk away. Like, doesn't matter. <laughs> you didn't say Mr. Hope. This was a pleasure. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, nope. Didn't, didn't, didn't. Oh, didn't dare. Hilarious. Oh, God. Yeah. 
Didn't I was because it wasn't a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Bob Hope is one of those people. You must have had you must have done that, Gilbert. You must have worked with him or had some of those where it's like a big com like Burl or somebody who's like, yeah, whatever. Uh oh yeah. Yeah. You never worked with you never worked with Hope though, Gilbert. Uh no. 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 Hey, those those stinking Jews. <laughs> they're they're taking hey. our society apart. Yeah. Hey, these guys these guys love money, huh? <laughs> I, wish, I wish this podcast were visual. I tell these Jews they really like money. They 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 own all the banks and news media. That's wild, isn't it? Well, was it Frank? Was it you that was telling me what he would do in Vietnam on the USO well, show? And Weinberger told us. Yeah. Oh well, he Bob Hope. I always heard, you know, he'd bite out these, you know, Raquel Welch yeah. and, and Margaret, and he threatened them with if they didn't fuck him, he'd leave them in Vietnam. I believe yeah. they'd all get on the plane and leave her behind in the jungles of Vietnam. <laughs> I hope that story is not apocryphal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's horrible for all involved, but God, please let it be true. Yes, yes. <laughs> we will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast, but first, a word from our sponsor. In the time left, Dana, I'm going to give you your choice. Oh uh, gosh, you could. We we just talked to Lorraine about the black cat. We love to talk about the black cat. Or would you rather talk about the scandals involving Lionel Atwill and or Albert Decker? Oh well, let's go to Lionel since Lorraine covered the black cat. And by the way, how awesome is Lorraine Newman? She's the best. Ha She's happy birthday so today! Today is it birthday. her birthday today? It is indeed. Oh yes. my god! I yes. did. I'm gonna. I'm gonna email her. Again. Her and Willis O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> that is insane. I did yes. not know that. Yes. And King Kong was, was first shown on this date in uh, 1933 at Radio City. Really? And yeah. I've, and uh, I who, here has held, who here has held King Kong in their hands? Just me. Oh, thanks to, thanks to your friend, Bob. Thanks to my friend, Bob Burns. Yeah. Um, we don't uh, have to talk about the black cat, but we'll, we'll talk Lionel about Lionel Atwell was Lionel Atwell. You know, there are uh, there are degree there are people earn, earn titles. You know, you're a you're you know like a you're in the military, you're a colonel, or if you're a policeman, you're an officer. Uh, Lionel had one of those titles that you used to get in show business, orgy master. <laughs> so, that's, that he had he would he was famous. He was a dirty dirty bird. And he would uh, he would throw these orgies, but I just love the title. He was an orgy master. I I demand to speak to the orgy master. <laughs> <laughs> to be the Karen, to be the Karen at an orgy. Where's is the where? I'd like to speak to the orgy master, please. No, I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, he got in a he got in a lot of trouble, uh, Lionel Atwell, and and Albert Decker too uh, for the Doctor Cyclops. Yeah. Albert yeah. Decker, that was the weirdest death of all time. He was hanging in the shower. He was in, kneeling in a tub. Kneeling yes. in a tub in yeah. uh, a corset, was it? Yeah, with, with hypodermics in his and, arms. And there yeah. were obscene words and yep. drawings all over his body. And he was bound and gagged. And they, the police uh, called it a suicide. Suicide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, ah. Fuck it, suicide. Yeah, because back, back then it was just like, uh, 
Yeah, it's my, my uh, and, and you can really, if you ever watch the old dragnets the, for the, the 67 to oh, 70 they're dragnets. Great. They're great. I have, uh, I have in that room, Jack Webb's whiskey set that uh, my, uh, we, I love it. It was my, uh, my, uh, my, is, I'll tell the story really quick. I started dating after my divorce and then finally you meet somebody else and I started dating uh, my girlfriend. I hate being a man of my age saying girlfriend because she's a woman. Oh. <laughs> you know, she's a fully adult woman and we live together in a very responsible relationship. You're, you're, you're a lady but, friend. Yeah, my yeah. Yeah, it, partner, I guess, will be yeah. married. Soon. See, so you turned gay over the years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your partner. So, my partner. My, my, my she, Dana. Um, so anyway, I show, and we both get really, we both get really, she got really into Dragnet, loves Jack Webb. And so I was on the road and, uh, Alison Martino, if you know who that is. Oh, Mar- she's great. Yeah. She's Al- great. Alison Martino emails me. There's a Jack Webb estate sale. Like he lived in this house in Toluca Lake. And one day he just moved out of it. He like packed up a briefcase and walked out and left everything. And then, like, Tito Puente moved in, but he didn't change anything. He just kept all the Jack stuff. <laughs> and then it's Puente. been sitting door. Somebody was. So, like, they're selling all this stuff. So my girlfriend goes, and there's a long line of people waiting to get in. And she's looking around. She's very tall. She's very attractive. Um, I'm going to date her until she wises up. And uh, But she sees these two cops just walking right into the house so she just gets behind them and walks in with them and goes right in wow went right she works for a whiskey company so she went right to the whiskey decanters and and got him so we have jack webb's bar set but she says the the attitude of cops in those days and this is how it ties to albert decker like whenever a woman is talking Joe Friday is just so impatiently suffering whatever they have to say. Like when a, when a guy is talking, yes, sir. Yeah. Well, we have those problems, sir. Yes, sir. Well, the police officer has to follow the rule. And whenever a woman decides, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> he just goes, why, why are you making noise with your word hole? <laughs> like, it's just, it's, yeah, it's a suicide. It's a suicide. Let's go. Let's I go. Would, Let's wrap I, it up. I would like to go through the Gould collectibles one day. Oh yeah, it's it's. Tell it's, let's tell tell people about the uh, the graphic novel because we mentioned it in the intro and and our, our fans will be interested. Oh well, you know, as I said, I'm a big I'm a big Planet of the Apes fan, and uh, I'm a I'm a I've been paid to write things in my life. And one day, like out of the blue, I I got a call uh, from this graphic novel company and said, "Hey, we have the rights to." Rod Serling's first draft of Planet of the Apes, which is very different from the movie that was made eventually. He took the novel, which is a very satirical, it was written by Pierre Boulle, and it was very much like Jonathan Swift. It's a very satirical novel. It doesn't really, it's not the same thing. And he made it up, it was right around the time he wrote Seven Days in May, Rod Serling, and he really broke it down into a political thriller. It's very much like Seven Days in May with apes in it. There's a lot of it takes place in a modern day city. They have wow. cars, they have helicopters. There's a lot of meetings. There's a lot of hush, hush political skullduggery going on. And then that script was rewritten by Michael Wilson. And that became the movie that we saw. So it's a very different story worth seeing. 
Uh, and uh, so I got a call one day and they said, yeah, we have the rights to adapt this as a graphic novel. And I thought they were going to say, would you write the foreword or something? And they just said, would you like to write it? And I was, yes. How flattering. <laughs> like, Good yeah. for you. And, and, I was, and it wasn't even like, it was like, well, let's talk about money. I'll pay you whatever you want. I'll do it. <laughs> um, and I had to learn how to write a graphic novel, which is a very different form than screenplay. It's, it's you know, it's a dialogue has to fit into a bubble. You get one action per panel. You have to decide how many panels per page. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of, it's very, very work intensive. Um, but I'm a giant Rod Serling fan. He's the reason I became a writer. And what I did not anticipate was the script is really big. He was the Aaron Sorkin of his day. He could write speeches uh -huh. and I had to cut a ton of it. And so every day I would get up, sit at my computer and start cutting Rod Serling's words. Oh, <laughs> fascinating. It was, it was excruciating. And I just had this angry smoking ghost over my shoulder. Why are you cutting that? That's great. What are you doing? That's great. Why are you cutting that? Why are you cutting that? And you, and, and you met Anne and she's great. I spoke to her on the phone. Yeah. I spoke oh, to her on oh, the phone. She's, yeah. she's, one, she's yeah. wonderful. She could be nice. There, there was a scene that in one of the Twilight Zones that he reused in Planet of the Apes. And that was the one, it may have had Claude Aikens and also that old German actor, Oscar Hermike or something like that. Os Oscar Beregi? Beregi. Oscar Beregi. Yeah. Well, well, we've broken the seal on Oscar Beregi references. <laughs> well, the Oscar Hamoka references are still to come. Uh, that <laughs> was there. They're in like uh, kept in a booth to wake up in the future. Yes, and then there's oh, yeah, they good, look Gil. around and like a rock has fallen on one of the cases, mm -hmm. and the guy yep looks like he's two hundred. Yep, that's right. And he he put that he did put that in the Planet of the Apes. And that's not in the movie. I mean, that's not in the book. Uh, he did put and and the surprise ending. There's an episode of the Twilight Zone. I think it's called I Shot an Arrow into the Air, where a guy uh, is in a rocket ship and he's crashed in the desert. And the other astronaut thinks that they're never going to survive and there's no water. And he ends up killing the astronaut, the other astronaut so he can have his water. And then he walks over the hill and sees a sign that says uh, entering Nevada. And that they were that that he was on Earth the whole time. Uh, he basically that ending was a Twilight Zone. How many science fiction films have there been? Oh, it's such a strange planet where this goes on. That what is the name of this planet? Earth. Earth. Earth yes. <laughs> and so many planets with breathable oxygen. And <laughs> I just saw that one with Roddy McDowell where he's in the zoo. In the zoo, yeah. Where he's in, in the, the human, oh, the human yeah. zoo, the alien zoo. It's so good. No, no, there's one that they turn out to be like Adam and Eve, where it's Charles Bronson oh, and, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Montgomery. Montgomery. Uh, Elizabeth yeah. Montgomery, it's a right? Good one too. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Roddy McDowell is in the pilot of the night gallery and yeah it's a good amazing, it's good it's good oh part of oh part of who is it who's, ozzy davis i think well, ozzy davis. davis yeah yeah, yeah that's and, good uh, the, was, the pilot's good it's better than the show uh steven spielberg's first job and they had like oh the joan rivers one joan bennett Joan, no, Joan, no, Joan, not Joan Rivers, not Joan, Joan, not Joan, Joan, Crawford. Joan, Crawford. Joan Crawford, the yeah, Joan, right. the Joan Rivers, uh, not gallery, <laughs> I was really scary. I sold my eyes. 
<laughs> with Tom Bosley. All right. Here's the weird Sarling Joan Rivers connection. Uh-oh. I'm on the right podcast. You are. The panty dropper. Rod Serling was hired in 1964 to write a a, 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 um, a they were doing specials to raise awareness for the United Nations. And in 1964, Rod was hired to write the first one, and it was a parody of the Christmas Carol called Carol for Another Christmas. Oh, yeah, I've seen it with Sterling Hayden. With Sterling Hayden and Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. the ghost of Christmas future. Yeah, I've seen it. Robert Sh- Sterling Hayden was supposed to play Quentin Jaws, he turned it down, and they gave it to Robert Shaw, and they act together. And Peter Sellers is in it. Yes, uh, and it was, uh, and it was, uh, it was Sterling Hayden and Peter Sellers. Ben Gazzara's in it. That's right. Yeah, and it was Hayden and Sellers in the same year as Strange Love. Weird. Uh, in a TV movie that Rod Serling wrote. That's it's very it's incredibly dark. It's a real curio uh, with an and, anti-war and, message. Yeah, anti-war, but it's incredibly dark, incredibly bleak. And the uh, when the United Nations Fund said, like, we want to take this money and we want to give it and we want to use it to do something on television that will raise awareness for uh, the United Nations mission. It was Edgar, Joan Rivers' husband, was the PR guy they hired that said, I have an idea. Let's go to and let's go to ABC or whatever network it was, CBS, and see if they'll do something. And he was the guy that came up with the idea. Dana Gould makes the best connections in the business. <laughs> that's, that's why they he call can, me the Segway King. Yeah, he can, <laughs> he, can, he can connect Joan Rivers to, to a Rod Serling Christmas movie. And, and I just remember there was also on the Night Gallery TV series, I mean, in the special, I mean, yeah, there was that one with Richard Kiley as an escaped Nazi. Yeah, that's yes. a good one. Yes. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, it's basically a remake of uh, a Twilight Zone. Uh, the they, they did a lot of that. The, but Sir, yeah, Serling had a Serling had a terrible. He was in World War II. He was only five four, but somehow got into the paratroopers. Was stranded on a an island in the South Pacific. They were on starvation rations. Um literally like had the thing of the movie where like a Japanese soldier was pointing a gun at him and he heard a shot, thought it was him. And it was his friend killing the Japanese soldier. Yeah. And, and then they get discovered and the supply plane drops supplies, the parachute breaks and the supplies land on his friend and kill him in front of him. Oh, like, I know it was the, the, the worst luck in the world. Um, but it was, uh, the, so he really did go through hell. You well, know, his hate, his hatred for war and violence, uh, yeah. you know, informed his work for, for, as, for years. And as we were talking about, was one of the only people at the time to appreciate the lunacy of Hogan's Heroes. Oh, yeah. Well, we discussed <laughs> like, that. We discussed right. that with Anne. But it's true. It's like it, it, Hogan, now you look at Hogan's Heroes and you're like, Jesus Christ. Yes. What the hell is this? But at the time, like, eh, it's funny. Well, and you and I, you and I, you and I talked about that. It's just, yeah. like it's it's almost as if they thought, oh, we're, we'll make Stalag seventeen into a series. Yeah, there, there there was something legitimate about the idea to them. Gilbert, yeah, Gilbert's been doing that in his act for years. No, so I know it's true, but yeah, but you you couldn't do it now, but you could do it then. But even Serling at the time was like, 
this is fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. Nazis aren't funny. Prison camps, death camps aren't funny. There was a Twilight, another with Oscar Bereke, uh, where he was uh, a, a Nazi, a high-ranking Nazi official, and there's a concentration camp that's still standing. Yes, I know this is the one I was thinking of. Yeah, yes. and he goes, yeah. I, and I think it's called Welcome to Dead uh, to Deathhead or something. Yes, yes, yes. That sounds yes. right. Yeah. That sounds right. Dana, Dana we got to get out of here. Uh, All right. what, what well what else I could we could go on forever. Uh but no, just yeah, uh check out Hanging with Dr. Z on YouTube. Uh, hanging with Dr. Z on YouTube. And also I will tell the, the, our listeners that they should stay for the closing credits of all ep- of, of every episode because they're, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're Ur- Urbe Vilashez is credited on this week's show as well as Irwin Allen and Swifty Lazar. Yeah. We, 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 we rack our brains. We actually had a, yeah, we had a Sydney Korshak reference. We, we did, we worked really hard. There's a, dis- <laughs> a discussion of Joey Heatherton and also Elvis's chimp. It's, there's, yeah, there's, yeah. there's something for everybody and Dana Gould.com and your wonderful podcast, which you're still doing. And you and Bobcat have a, have the project coming. Yeah. When? Joyride. It'll be coming out soon. I hope. Wonderful. Anything else? You know, we're two. Well, we're two middle-aged white guys and it's time. Our voice was heard. <laughs> <laughs> Could you take it? Can I make you take us out with a little Adam West with a little, a little more Adam West? Oh yeah, well I'll I'll, uh, I'll when uh, when Rob and I worked with Rob Cohen and I uh, worked with Adam West, and then about a year later we went to just see him at a celebrity show, and we were rehearsing how we would reintroduce ourselves. Like, hi, we did a we did a thing called Super Adventure Team, which was a part oh, yeah. of the Thunderbirds. Oh yeah, very good. And we had his voice on it, and. And so we're like, hi, you, I'm sure you don't remember. And he looked up and saw us approaching the table and he went, here comes trouble. How are you two geniuses? <laughs> but we were, I mean, like made my life. It's like Adam That's West looked wonderful. up and recognized me. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm remember good. meeting Adam at the convention, Gilbert, in the Valley all those yes, years ago? Yes. Yeah. Oh, the creepiest part of that convention was there was a table that had That's a both. high bar too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was it the the Beverly Garland? You know that show. Yeah, yeah, Beverly yeah. Garland. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it, yeah. It had uh, both Snow White and Corella Deville and they're both a thousand. Yeah. Someone says to Snow White, uh he says, "Oh, uh this is uh, you have something in common with this man." They they're introducing me and they say he was in a, a Walt Disney film called Aladdin. And she grabs my arm in like a death grip, digging her nails into my arm and goes, Someday, my prince will come when all my... And I figured, oh, she's just uh, honoring me because we both did a <laughs> Disney film. And she sings the entire song. Oh, and I'm going, she doesn't know who the fuck I am yeah. or what they said about Aladdin. Adriana she's, Castellotti. She's just. She, yeah. She's, she's gone now. I was at the same show, saw Jonathan Harris, and it was right when they were getting ready to do the new Lost in Space with Gary Oldman and William Hurt. Uh-huh. And I said, uh, so Mr. Harris, are you in the movie? Are you in the Lost in Space movie? And he looks up and he goes, 
they offered me a cameo. A cameo. <laughs> and then he said, I swear to God, was, not this chicken sister. <laughs> no, I'm using that. <laughs> and then and then I used to bring Myla Nurmi to those. Yes. To Vampira. sign autographs. Yeah. I used to, I was, uh, speaking of Igor, I was her Igor for many years. And uh, one time I sat her down and I would, you know, get her situated and then, I'd go off and make sure she had everything she wanted. We were friends. I helped her out. And uh, and they one time she was sat next to Gary Busey, or as I called him at that time, Gary Drug Abusey. And uh, he was out of his mind. And Myla, who did the perfect thing, like he was doing something and she like laughed and then turned to me perfectly like, <laughs> get me the hell away from him. <laughs> we can relate to that one. Uh, Dana, wonderful. Well, so well, great to see you guys. It's so great to see you, and we could go on and on forever. I know, Gil Gilbert, sad. let this man get to his collection of uh, of Jack, <laughs> Jack, gonna, Jack, Jack Webb tumblers. I've got to go play with my. I, yeah, I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna email Lorraine right now. Wish your happy birthday. Uh, yeah, we will do the same. Gilbert's. We, we, we're we're gonna sign off now. All right, this has been <laughs> this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-hosts Frank Santo Padre and our friend Dana Gould. Dana, always a pleasure. Oh, so this is so fun. We could, I could go all night. Come back. We'll do an entire George Zucco episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I, could, I, could, I could go all night, and this is the only situation in which I could go all night. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, pal. See you, on, see you on the thread. Bye. Yes, indeed. Say hi, uh, say hi to your wife, uh, Gilbert. I thought you liked it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bye, Dana. Thanks. Thanks, man. <laughs> two of us. No boogeyman is greater than the two of us. The people scream about the team of Carl and Price, although we're as nice as can be. My buddy and me, there's just the two of us, and we'll be always traveling on. The two of us. There's lots of gore in pictures for the two of us. He used to shine as Frankenstein and I was the fly. They forced us to die every time to pay for the crime. They killed the two of us, but we'll be always traveling on. <laughs>